Do you think we disagree on this? And they are worthy of unsurpassable love. And that's all you're allowed to think about people. Humans were created to enjoy and know God and to be known by him. Uh, don't cancel me, that's not really sacrilegious. Hey Josh, you want to something cool? I love cool things. So we're going to start a new series okay. for our episodes, and we want to engage our viewers in what we're calling a theological primer. Let's do it. So what I mean by that is we want to study different topics in the field of theology, but we want to connect them for their relevance for our current social issues. I'm in. So we're going to start today with the doctrine of humanity or the doctrine of man. Well, it's got to be humanity, otherwise you're sexist. So Th that, this doctrine is true. of humanity. This is true. Welcome, everybody, to Kingdom Thinking. Today we are going to start this new exciting series on theological doctrines or how uh, different biblical teachings connect and are very important for current events Let's today. Let's do it, man. So, you know, the human sense of wonder or the in inquisitive nature of asking what's what's the meaning of all it what's yep. what's the significance of human life it's not new uh it didn't start with tiktoks or uh, ig pics or uh throwback thursdays or no filter oh, nice. selfie you like that yeah dude okay. good pop culture reference there you go there. <laughs> um back in ancient near eastern cosmologies uh or mythologies to greek philosophy mm -hmm. uh to even enlightenment uh, philosophies that have now kind of shaped a little bit of what our society is like. This sense of wonder and of wanting to know what is, what's the significance right. of being human? That, that's been front and center of the human experience. So as we jump into that, we want to introduce the topic from a Christian perspective in the hopes that we can shed some light on how this question is very much related to current events. We want to connect some dots for our viewers today on how we answer this question. Yeah. Okay. How we answer this question, what does it mean to be human, is a necessary starting point for Christians to engage in today's most divisive topics. So I'm just going to name a few. And I think that the conversations around politics, like immigration, abortion, LGBTQIA plus issues, BLM, and more, I think they should stem, if you're a Christian, from a theological or a biblical understanding of what does it mean to be human? Awesome. So the first thing we're going to do is give you some foundations for it. The second thing we're going to do is talk about areas of distinction between mm -hmm. different Christian traditions. And then the third thing, which is the most important one is, all right, so what? How does that connect right. to, to my life or to what I'm seeing on the news? So why don't you start us off with uh, some foundations here? Yeah, so briefly, right, we have to have this need to move beyond a fragmented view of humanity. Okay. Right? And this becomes incredibly important because humans have to be evaluated by efforts, merits, and actions, right? Uh, because we are inherently more than machines. And so any type of reduction to this machine-like quality violates this exact thing that you're talking about, right, with needing to start okay. with a full view of us as people. And so when we talk about being seen medically in terms of like our physical, biological, sexual needs, humans are the sum of those, but the sum, right, is greater, or the whole is greater than the sum Similar on its parts. own. Yeah. And so when we connect with those things, we have to have these viewpoints attached to us along with economic social relationships uh, because it's important, right, that we have these uh, guidelines and guardrails to stop abuse or power of abuse by people over some others. But there's value in understanding that 
again, we're not just those titles, right? We are more than our race, our ethnicity, and who and things of that nature. And so our potential for choice and expression has to be celebrated and protected. But again, there's always this both and conversation happening here that we are these things, but we are more than these things in and of themselves. Okay. So if I may sum that up a little bit, the, we're illustrating four different possibilities yeah. or options to view humanity and we're expressing their limitations, meaning these are necessary, yep. but they're insufficient yeah. in and of themselves. Yep. So the, the four are, just to recap, uh, what uh, Millard Erickson, systematic theo- theologian, calls this view of human as a machine, mm-hmm. hu- human as the product or the sum of his efforts, merits, accomplishments, etc. Like, yeah, you're going to get paid usually in proportion to how much you work mm-hmm. or your negotiated salary. Your grades are based on your effort. Mm-hmm. These are good things right. and they're important, but they don't quite encapsulate the total sum of what humanity mm-hmm. is, right? And then like think just biologically, right? And this is going to get interesting at the end when we talk about like identity and things like that, but how you identify as your gender or what your physical or biological needs are or even limitations mm-hmm. if you think about paraplegics or even like mental limitations, Mm -hmm. those are significant. We shouldn't just say, oh, I I see no handicaps, kind of like saying, I see no color. Like, no, don't be ignorant. You should see somebody for who they are, but they're more than their physical uh, capacities or limitations. Third, um, and this is a really significant one, the social and economic position of humans. Mm -hmm. To say that that's not important would be silly. To say that somebody's class, social status, ethnicity, and or race doesn't play a significant role in who they are. Yeah, I mean, it, it would certainly are. seem to violate the Sermon on the Mount, right? Exactly. However, a Christian perspective on what a human is means that you're more than right. your social class. You're more than uh, your relationship to the power structures in society, right? And, mm-hmm. and I mean, that's going to rub some people the wrong way, certainly. isn't it? But uh, this is kind of where, where a necessary starting point, right? And lastly, uh, celebrating something like choice and expression. I, I, uh, I choose, therefore I am. Sure, sure. Uh, my body, my choice, or I don't know, pick whatever slogan you want mm-hmm. about the, the, the celebration of human independence. Like, yeah, that's cool. That, that's fine. There's probably something to that uh, about protecting freedom and choice. Yeah. But there's more than that. Right. And so how do we move beyond these things? Uh, in, in theology or in, in a biblical perspective, it's the image of God. Yeah. And this has to be the starting point for Christian dialogue and a perspective on how to engage social issues. So briefly, I'm going to give you a synopsis on this. The idea of the image of God in the creation account is what locates the identity and the why for humanity. Mm-hmm. In other words, we can talk about the social and economic positions of humans, and we should. Right. We can talk about the biological, sexual, et cetera, realities. We can talk about the uh, the choice, the protection, the, the merits, efforts. We should and can talk about all that. However, uh, what brings all those together in a context that informs how uh, Christians should see the world and their place in that world is why and for what. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the creation account labels that or uh, the, the narrator um, signifies and signals this for the reader. Right. And he says, it's the image of God. Yep. And so <clears throat> there's three different views on image of God. Can you take us through them? 
Yeah, we have substance, which is a presence in human. We have capacity, which is a potential for relationship. And then we have function, which is the endowment of abilities, right? Such as the ability to reason, to create, and things that go with that. Okay. And so, like, what do some of these mean to you in your own words? Yeah, I. so for me, this is pretty interesting because I, I think of a sh- kind of the sharp distinction that occurs between Judaism and Christianity as a whole, right? <clears throat> and kind of Christianity's history with kind of being infused with Greek thought through patristic writings and we become like these souls that have bodies, right? To to kind of oversimplify a little bit, kind of over and against the Jewish thought, which is like we're bodies with souls, right? And so to me, it feels like it's a very, the the Jewish perspective feels a lot more in line with how I think we ought to be kind of living out our Imago Dei feel with this understanding of like, it's the whole of us that makes us, valuable in the image of God because Mm. it's the totality of us that's created in God's image, right? So this body that we have isn't something that we need to get away from, right? Like it's this, and I think we have a propensity to kind of fall into that trap a little bit, particularly in evangelical theology. And so for these, these three kind of things very, uh, I think profoundly encapsulate what I would tend to identify with Jewish thoughts, right? Oh. On on that thing, I, I'm. So you feel pretty good about them? Yeah, I like them a lot because I think you know language is limited. We know this, right? Like without getting too far into the weeds of like Derrida and Gadamer and things like that, like, <laughs> like language theory. Yeah, and... yeah, like language has limits. There. Yes. So everything that we will be doing will be limited in you know some capacity, but substance, capacity, and function feel like really good encapsulating okay. terms to nice. me to have this dialogue. Good, and I don't think like these are exclusive. Yeah. I think that it's probably all of those, yeah. right? And yeah. so to understand, oh, like, what does that actually mean? That the plants aren't made in the image of God. Right. The other creatures are not made in the image of God. The earth isn't made in the image of God, but humans are. Yeah. Like, this is such a fascinating yeah. mystery, right? And and so, it almost w- feels like why, <laughs> right? <laughs> the way that the way that I taught this in like a Sunday school class, I taught it like. Um, like if you could imagine, you know how like parents preserve their babies like footprints mm-hmm. and like paint or something like that. I taught it as like imagine that God was putting His own fingerprints mm-hmm. on us mm-hmm. uh, as a way of. Now this metaphor isn't perfect, right? But it's it's a way of conferring uh, authorship. Yeah. Of conferring the value and the dignity that eventually is going to say. Uh, or be an invitation to you sit at my table. Why? Because I made you yeah. for this. Yep. The Westminster of Confession of Faith uh, puts it like this. It says that uh, humans were created to enjoy and know God mm-hmm. and to be known by him. Yep. Um, and so I do think these things, so image of God as substance, meaning as uh, as this, this presence, this capacity to be indwelt by God. Okay, I, I think that's helpful. Image of God as a capacity, meaning image of God as a potential for relationship with God in a way that other creatures don't have, or image of God as function, meaning mm-hmm. the capacity to reason, to be self-introspective, uh, mm-hmm. uh, to create and to have art. Um, these are reflections of the image of God right. too. So, Josh, do all Christian versions of theology or traditions agree on all these things i don't know that there's really anything that we can find that most theological traditions this is true you can probably find (laughs) traditions out there who'll disagree with like the trinity or things like that yeah yeah but they're um, wrong but you know right exactly (laughs) so what are some areas of distinction 
uh, with reference to yeah. some of these image of God or... So we have kind of the composite nature of humanity. Okay, what does that mean? Right, as a whole. So basically there's a material and immaterial component to us as people, okay. right? And so there are things that we can touch, see, smell, sense, look at, you know, the things that are on the outside. Correct. Right? Uh, and But there's also things like our spirit, our soul, right? Like that Emotions, kind of language. Yeah. mental capacities. Yep. Uh, thoughts, right? Like, yeah, are thoughts real? The weirdness of our thoughts that your brain is self-actualizing and analyzing Isn't and self-thinking about itself. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of the meme of Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane. It's like, dear God, it's me, you there, right? <laughs> just like this conversation of like a bigger, you know, like kind of picture. Uh, don't cancel me. That's not really sacrilegious. Uh, and so, right. The idea here though, is that these parts are, you know, they're connected and they both need to be redeemed ultimately is a bigger conversation to be having there, but it's like, you can't separate the immaterial and the material. They are mutually inclusive okay, good. with each other. But this is so important. I mean, cause if you think about this for a second, I think you're right that particularly in evangelicalism, it seems to me, we emphasize the spiritual or the immaterial to the detriment of the physical. Yeah. So we can talk about Christian spiritual formation. Mm -hmm. We talk about moral formation. Mm -hmm. We talk about saving souls. Yeah. Um, and I've even heard things like, well, God cares about souls, not bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And it, this could get really like Gnostic. Yeah. 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 Dude. I mean, yeah. it moves us into this like docetic dualism, right? Correct. Like, where, Correct. Where it's a fancy way of saying like the spirit, great body bad, right? Like right. Jesus is a spirit in a body, you know, but not really like a body body. And we need to be freed yeah. from... Yeah, we want to um, get above these types of things. And right. this is this Neoplatonic Correct. problem Correct. Right, that made its way into the early church father's writing, which then kind of impacted all of us. Correct. And so... We need to, uh, I think, adjust and correct some of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, not to the extreme of something like vanity right. or superficial right. views on, on the body and something like that. But, uh, I mean, think about this. Uh, and, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and I feel comfortable saying this out loud. I mean, ever since I can remember in middle school, I've always been very much concerned with uh, my physical appearance and, and my weight, mm -hmm. like that number has always meant something to me. And I don't know why, sure. but it has. And so I've worked uh, so hard um, because it to be a tells me something oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. about myself. Yeah. <laughs> to be a beefcake. Yeah, dude, no you got to look good man. for the lady. I don't the jeans for the Sure, beef. sure. <laughs> and I think it, it speaks to something that both at its worst is... Uh, harmful but at its best is is real yeah yeah that i am not just my spirit i i am like this is a part of god who I cares am. about your physical form and right. what you do with that right? right how well you steward your body well not only that but will i still be loved if if i'm not in yeah. perfect shape right is it okay that I, you know if, if i'm a little soft in the midsection sure. or whatever the case may be like that conversation about whether it's self-love or, or appearance or things has a rooted orientation in what it means to be human in yeah. the image of God. Yeah, for sure. And so that people aren't worthy of being loved because of their appearance, mm -hmm. but that their appearance is enough to be loved. Yeah. Right? Now, there's obviously balance to that. We don't want anybody to be unhealthy. Sure. I don't want anybody to be obese. Right. I don't want anybody to neglect their yeah. health. Yeah. Um, but to be able to, like pastor well, or you're jumping right into like the body positivity movement right in this kind of thing where it's like you are worthy of love at any size that you are right not because weight confers a certain value correct to it but existence confers a value right like because you are alive and breathing you're worthy of love i th i think what i'm doing though is more than 
and I don't know too much about the body positivity sure. movement. I confess that. But it seems to me that certain movements like that are limited in you're worthy, so you should believe it. Right. right. And you confer that upon yourself. Sure, sure. And I think with the doctrine of man, meaning the biblical teaching on how uh, the Bible is expressing this is not only is your spirit and your body worthy of love because you should believe that, but it's because you were made. Yeah, because God declared it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that distinction is so important. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but it, back to this point, the the Christian understanding of what does it mean to be body and soul or mm -hmm. body and whatever that immaterial part is, heart, spirit, I mean, Christians disagree on that, right? Sure. Do we have spirits and souls or is spirit and soul the same thing? Um, yeah, without getting too much into yeah. the weeds. Another topic, another day. Right. Uh, Christians also disagree on uh, human nature and free will. Sure. Right? So with the effects of sin, do humans choose God or does God choose humans at the moment of salvation? Mm -hmm. Um, which one comes first? Mm -hmm. uh, what are the effects and the consequences of sin? Meaning, uh, has sinful nature marred or uh, damaged every aspect of humanity? Or can humans still do something that is substantially yeah. good? Christians would disagree on that. Yeah, certainly. Um, so as we move from, okay, this is a kind of robust platform for understanding a theology of, of humanity. Let's get into some of the so what. Okay. How would this change our perspective on certain social issues? Oh, man, it totally revolutionizes this. Uh, and this is something where, like, it upsets everybody on the political scale, right? Like, this would be something that doesn't have a home in either political camp, which to me is usually like a good sign, right? <laughs> but basically it helps us move beyond fragmented views, right? And this is what allows Christians to ourselves to move beyond an us versus them, right? Greg Boyd has this idea of like, if you don't know someone, right? Like the only opinion you're allowed to have of them is that they are created in the image mm. of God and they are worthy of unsurpassable love. And that's all you're allowed to think about people, mm. right? Because that's what Jesus thought about them and, yeah. you know, imparts that to us through his death and victory on the cross. Nice. And so this becomes a conversation around which we center everything, right? Yes. So it moves us into this idea uh, of how we were made to be, right? And the value of ourselves that move out of that. So uh, the image of God prioritizes the universal worth and dignity in the conversations about abortion, right? Okay, so how, how would that change? The mother's choice and the baby that exists inside the mother, right? It makes it far more complicated than this just the one-sided my body my choice mm -hmm. kind of conversation right because it is your body but your body is made in the image of god mm. and that image right has room in it to grow new life and so there's a conversation that needs to be had about sacrifice mm -hmm. about not you know exercising because you can doesn't mean you should right mm. like that kind of conversation mm -hmm. comes out and at the same time if 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 it is so that we care about these lives then it needs to be about the mother as well. Certainly, certainly. And maybe even our conversations about like sex ed move beyond just don't do it. Yep. yep. Right? Uh, what does it actually mean to be in a relationship with somebody? I also heard another show is like, isn't it funny that we spend so much effort teaching people in school how to have sex or mm -hmm. not, but we don't teach them how to be in relationships. Yeah, absolutely. There. And so 
Uh, yeah. So one huge touch point there. Another one is immigration, right? Hmm. Uh, this is probably the easiest one that devolves into us versus them yeah. there because they're the they're like an outsider in every sense of the word. Physically, right? yeah, physically outsider. They look different. They speak a different language, different customs, different food. Like there's almost no commonality here. Correct. Right, for, in some it's of these the instances, easiest to feel threatened. Yeah, certainly. And so, uh, but you know. If you view a sojourner as, or if you view an immigrant as somebody who's made in God's image, would that change your perspective? Oh, it should. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not doing it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like all of a sudden they become just as valuable in the eyes of Christ and as so, you. Good. And you're on completely equal ground. So the question, who is my neighbor? Yeah. All of a sudden has a little bit of a different context. It just extends far Correct. more than just the person on your block. Exactly. Right? Uh, so war and economics, right? This is a harder, this one, is a way bigger than one. probably we're, we're going to solve in the next 10 minutes here, but who is the enemy, right? right? This conversation around, um, how and when should we go to war? Right. If we should go to war, it, right. right. Uh, you know, is it better to like let people live the way that they want to live? That's weird to us and not just try and like make an oil grab or, you know, like whatever the conversation Correct. is around that kind of should stuff becomes, be in- when should there be intervention? Yeah. becomes far more complex, right? Uh, and then the church's outreach and influence in a society that is particularly suspicious of us. You know, it's like if we view people as also made in God's image and we confer that value on them, mm. even if it's not reciprocated well, towards us. I would say recognize yeah. rather than confer, right? And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Recognize that God made that. Sure. Yeah. Certainly. Good catch. If we, if we recognize that, then all of a sudden that's like it becomes a whole different, a different conversation. Attitude. I wouldn't have to feel defensive. About anything. About anything. No. That would certainly change my testimony, my witness. Yep. Uh, um, dude, what about healthcare, bro? Yeah, healthcare is always a harder one to me, right? Uh, you and I have. Uh, Do you think we disagree on this? I don't like the government for a lot of things, right? Like, okay, so like, let me let me be outright about okay. my conviction. I actually really enjoy, like, I I'm happy that California takes whatever it is, three point five, four point five percent out mm-hmm. of my paycheck specifically for uninsured sure. healthcare people in the state. And and that's a good thing. But to me, the bigger problem in that conversation is like, it always comes at the end of a gun, right? It's like, <laughs> this is the only way that government is able to enforce this, this right? And so <laughs> that becomes problematic to me okay. in one sense. The coercion aspect. Yeah, coercion is always hard for me to swallow personally, um, just because of the idea of what I see in scripture, right? Of God desiring choice and we would read that differently obviously yes there uh, but the conversation about that is that's not to say it's not necessary i think it is necessary that okay. we do that now that the government takes that role because churches have largely failed in living out their convictional call okay say and i more think about this that. well i think this will be the Sounds big thing that god kind of dings the american church on in general i'll use one brief kind of example four churches that i know of all share four corners of four different streets, right? Huh. So you can, if you stand here, you can see this church, you this church, and this church. Yeah, it's like the four states, but it's just four churches in an area not too far from me. They don't work together on anything. Huh. They don't, their congregations don't overlap. There's not a lot of hanging out. There's not a lot of conversation pieces going on about how they can team up and pool resources and blah, 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 blah. And that drives me up the wall. That's interesting. Because I think it's the perfect picture of what the majority of American churches are like hmm. as a whole. And I think this will be a thing that God really gets pissed at us for is like this lack of ability to pull our resources to take care of huh. things, right? So I think government is necessary in this world now because the church has failed. I just don't like the coercion part of it. Interesting. But I think, you know, that gap's got to be made up somewhere. And so God's basically saying like, hey, if the church isn't willing to do it, like we'll make it happen. You know, kind of <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, I get that. And that's interesting to me because 
I don't know where I would draw the line. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. That's a hard one. Um, that's a hard one. Uh, rehabilitation ministries get taken more seriously, right? Substance abuse victims, addicts, criminals, domestic violence, sexual violence survivors, like all of a sudden the NIMBY, you know, Christians who are part of like the not in my backyard kind of thing. Like we don't want these like rehab facilities built. We don't want homeless shelters built. Like all of a sudden it would be like YIMBY, right? Like yes, in my backyard Correct. becomes a thing where if we saw people with that level of... Of uh, importance. Yeah, yeah. Like what if we saw... Uh, the rehab- rehabilitation of criminals yeah. with as much importance as we saw like education. Yeah. Yeah. It would be huge. It'd be huge. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It'd be a whole different um, world. And this in. is all coming from understanding a little deeper the doctrine of what man, uh, what God has made humanity to be. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so and then, then, yeah, go ahead. This is a tricky one, but I want to get to it. Mm-hmm. What about conversations of identity of, now, not limited to gender identity, Shouldn't. but including something like that. Yeah. How would those conversations change if we started from maker, made, mm-hmm. creator, creation, not self-made, not self-identifying or self-conferring? Yeah, I think it would move us in a direction that was far more humble about these conversations, right? Like, okay. ultimately, my experience... In both ways? Yeah, probably. Uh, I don't see this as much... specifically in gender identity, right? My experience is I don't see uh, the need for humility to come from the transgender side of that as often, right? I think there's, you know, and again, we're not talking like the fringes of like the social media people, but I'm talking about people who I know personally who are are trans uh, aren't very like high horse about their identity, right? I think this is more of a conversation about the way that the church reacts to these conversations that are Uh happening. I think the church has a propensity to kind of run into their castle and try and like fortify their defenses Mm. a little bit Mm. like man, woman only man, woman only. Like if we saw them with this image of God kind of marker as like the primary source, I think it would be a lot more like, okay. In the traditional Christian conservative view, it'd be like, we think something is wrong here. We need to try and talk and understand what's going on more before a simple defense fortification. Holistically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's rather it's not behavior modification. Right. It's not even moral formation. Right. It's actual pastoring yeah. of people. Right. Yeah. Ironically enough. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Um what else do you think would be really helpful for churches and people to consider and or what are some of the outworkings of this view of a, a robust view of image of God and humanity? I think when we begin to live this out, it has such a profound effects on releasing control. Hmm. And I think this is probably the most important takeaway, right? Uh, the year of COVID has shown a lot of churches and a lot of leaders that control is largely illusionary, right? In our perspective and the way that we feel about things. And so if we incorporate this, you know, doctrine of man reality into our lived experiences, yeah, it would remind us from the get that both on a, cosmological level we're not in control but very often in our personal dynamics right there needs to be a releasing of the desire Mm. to control its direction and i think it would give us the opportunity to have deeper conversations sooner more pastoral conversations more frequent pastoral conversations more frequently and i think we'd be able to make a way deeper impact not just not just more butts and seats not just higher giving you know not just whatever not just new buildings or any of that i think we would be able to be society i think we'd able yeah we'd be able to transform our communities around us i love that that's awesome. What do you guys think? How do you think that a deep perspective on the image of God in humanity would change some of these issues, some of the 
conversations and our disposition in these conversations. Make sure to leave us a comment. Make sure to check out the Juice TV app um, and check out all of these uh, episodes. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time on Kingdom Thinking.